Hello and welcome to the Standstill Podcast. This is an opportunity to hit pause on your busy life as we hear from guests that will inspire you. Hey Josh. Hey Jay. How, how are you going? Doing well and we're back for another Standstill podcast episode. That's it. We're up to uh, episode number 13, which is exciting. It is, absolutely. And we've got a, an exciting uh, topic to talk about with you guys today, yep. which is on overcoming doubt. That's it. It's uh, going to be with Uncle Darren Taporis, which I'm sure a lot of you uh, know or know of him. So promises to be yeah, really encouraging and, and motivating for us. Absolutely, and one thing I'm particularly looking forward to is um, considering overcoming doubt in relation to the kingdom, especially at different stages in our lives um, when we can you know, have doubt as to whether we're going to be in the kingdom or have, we have those thoughts. So, Absolutely. I think for, uh, I've got a few questions um, for him from one of his talks he's done on the judgment seat, which uh, I'm sure, yeah, it should be really really exciting to hear his perspective and and to share his thoughts on that so yeah promises to be a good episode and particularly as we get closer to conference it's uh well we're, we're going to be moses is a classic example of someone Absolutely. who um experienced self self-doubt and and was able to overcome that in his life so yeah hopefully darren gives us a little bit more of a insight or tools and strategies to get over our own self-doubt absolutely and i uh, hope you guys enjoy this one wherever you're listening on the bus uh, at home lying in bed i think that's for you remy <laughs> um and enjoy this podcast and uh, discussion with darren cheers guys Thanks, Uncle Darren, uh, for getting involved in the podcast. Appreciate you uh, agreeing to do it when Josh messaged you. So, uh, my that's yeah, that's good. So, we're looking forward to talking to you a bit about overcoming doubt. Obviously, uh, Josh and I have listened to a few of your talks that you've done in the past on, yeah, a similar theme. Yeah. So, um, obviously, we've got a, a not a not a massive group, but we've got a. I guess a good group of young people from interstate, um, overseas, um, probably a lot that do know you and a lot that don't know you. Um, do you want to maybe give a little bit of a um, about you or just um, for those that are listening in who don't know who Uncle Darren is, do you want to just give them a little bit of a rundown? Bit of an introduction, happy to. So, so as you said, my name's Darren Taporis. Taporis is a Greek name, so I'm... I'm uh, I'm Greek, from not from mainland Greece, but our family comes from Cyprus, which is that little island, as we know, just off the coast of, of Israel. There you um, go. I didn't even know that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So I, I can speak a little bit of Greek, but not um, not not a lot. Um, so I've lived on the central coast of New South Wales for pretty much all my life, which is Josh knows very well. Um, it's in between Newcastle and Sydney. Um, it's a sort of very coastal beachy type area and, I've, and it, it was a, a sort of semi-isolation when I was a young person so there was no youth group to speak of in that area and and I would have to commute to either Sydney or, or Newcastle to um, 
interact with other young people. So it was um, challenging growing up from that point of view. So youth conferences were a huge part of my uh, my development in, in, in Christ, and I really appreciate them. Um, and I lived there all my life, and, and my ecclesia was very little at that time. So when I, I remember, remember when my ecclesia, I had 12 members there, and we met in a house at Avoca Beach. So uh, it was a tiny little meeting, and that has its challenges. It also was great from one perspective, and that was I was doing... Bible study and Bible classes and lectures and things at a very, very young age, just I just had to. And that was something that I really thank God for in the sense that I was, I've developed a lot of, I don't say to be proud, but a lot of knowledge and, and, um, and uh, experience in Bible study and things just because I really had to. And that's been, that's been a great blessing for me. So I've got, I married, I married a Sydney girl, or she actually was an Adelaide girl before uh, she moved to Sydney, so named Susan Elton back then. So she moved from Adelaide, which was a Brighton Ecclesia, and then they moved to Sydney when she was young. And she was at Riverwood Ecclesia, which is in Sydney, a big big meeting in Sydney. And I married her, and I have um, I have three children. Uh, two of them are living out of home at the moment, married, and I have another another two ch- uh, daughters as well that have joined the family more recently. So it's quite quite exciting life that I live with all those kids. I'm the only male left in the house, so my sons have left. So I'm the only um, male still standing at home, and, and um, they all gang up on me, of course. Um, <laughs> so yes, that's it's good. And, and yeah, Gosford Ecclesia has grown, and, and Josh was a member there at one stage. It's a great ecclesia, I, I feel anyway, and um, a good little youth group. And hopefully, some of them are going to the conference as well. I would like to think. That's fantastic. Thanks, Uncle Darren. Well, another thing that we like to do at the start of the podcast, and it's by way of almost an icebreaker that we do, but also a a good way to get to know you as well is we like to do a rapid fire question section. (laughs) So uh, AYC 2023, we've got 23 rapid fire questions. Throw you straight in the deep end. away. And uh, <laughs> if you can get through this, then the rest of the, the discussion will be, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> Rapid fire questions, head your way. 23 questions coming today. Alrighty, question number one. What is your favourite pastime slash hobby? Um... Reading, reading would be my passion. Favourite season? Uh, Definitely summer. I love summer. Where did you go on your last holiday? Last holiday would have been Seal Rocks, a place that Josh knows very well. Not the Philippines. I went to the I went to the Philippines. That's not that's sort of mission work, so not exactly a holiday. We'll go most recent trip overseas. That was the Philippines. Yes, that was only a couple of weeks ago. Very nice. What was your favourite subject at school? Um, oh, that's a good question. History, I'd say. History, definitely. Yep, history. What's one subject? That's a long time, that's a long time ago for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, one subject you would like to learn more about? Um, one subject I'd like to learn more about... Um, Probably I'd like to. I'd know. A, I'd know a reasonable amount of Greek and Greek grammar. I'd probably like to get an equivalent knowledge of Hebrew one day if I want to get some spare time. Very nice. What would be your go-to meal when you are cooking? 
when I'm cooking noodles, I love noodles. So pocky and noodles with chicken and. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say the two-minute noodles variety. Well, they have during the during the COVID lockdown. I gave them a, a good workout as well. <laughs> uh, morning or evening person? Evening, for sure. So we've got you at the right time. You do. You do. That's right. Favorite form of exercise or favorite sport? I play squash. So there's a little squash court around the corner from Masadora Creek, and I'm in a comp. Monday night comp. I've actually hurt my ankle there last time, so I'm having a bit of a break. But yep, I think no yes, that's right. If you could learn any language in a week, which would it be? Yeah, Hebrew. I think that'd be lovely. That'd, yep. Is there an instrument you can play or would like to be able to play? I would like. I'm I'm a music enthusiast. So as well as being the only male, I'm the only one who can't really play or not very musical all my family are highly musical my wife and daughters and sons probably know her patrick and steph's music etc so i'm i have no technical skills but i've got enthusiasm <laughs> haven't i josh it's been very loud absolutely at the moment. <laughs> contribute contribute to the volume levels that's right there's no the, the, the pitch might not be right and the whatever but the volume's there so i do bring i do bring it i bring the enthusiasm that's right do you have a favorite book outside of the bible Outside of the Bible, favourite book? Um, ooh, that's a good, good question. I, I have um, I have read recently, if you've heard of Jordan Peterson, I've read um, his two books. Uh, probably the first one I really liked probably more, um, uh, Rules for Living, Rules for Life, sorry, 12 Rules for Life. That was really good. So I did, I did like that. But I have to say most of my reading these days is, biblically based or, or, or researching things or looking at things so what is the most adventurous thing you have ever done um probably uh, mission work in cambodia and uh i went right up north right right up north to the thai border and visited some um graduates of the um the seminars who had got baptized and then had to move back home and that was very primitive went to Pol Pot's grave up there and things like that. So um, that was that was quite good, quite fun. What might be one thing people don't know about you? Mm. What would be something that people don't know about me? Uh, I like to think, and, and I like, I do believe I'm introvert and, and, uh, and, and everyone argues with me. My wife thinks I'm crazy for saying that, but I, I do, I do like, being by myself and um, being being by myself in my own thoughts and minds, that's my go-to. But you wouldn't know that necessarily. I seem very extroverted in my uh, mannerisms, but that's not my favourite state. So that, that might surprise people. Hmm. A window or aisle seat? Aisle for sure, yep. Coffee or tea? Coffee or tea? Coffee, 100% coffee. Coffee is, freak. Is there a skill you would like to master? I'd like the, the music one is really the one. I'd like to learn something, even guitar or or something like that. That'd be really nice. Get a few lessons from Packy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I would love to. I'd love to. I'd love uh, to what's your favourite country or place you would want to visit the most? Definitely Israel. Israel's right up there for... Many reasons, of course, as you can guess. 
Um, but probably my second would be turkey. I love turkey, which is awesome as well. We haven't had one like that before. It's a good one. If you could describe yourself in a hashtag, what would it be? <laughs> um, hashtag uh, happy, happy but serious. Something like that. Like you know, I'm very happy and smiley, but I'm I'm pretty serious as well, and and uh, I can move from one to the other pretty quickly. What is the best advice someone has given you? Mm. Don't forget your your wedding anniversary. That's probably that's probably <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> probably very important for Josh and I to remember. That's right, Josh. Right, right. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Ecclesia you grew up in? Gosford. So, yep, so I've been there all my life. Is there something you have learned from your kids? Mm-hmm. Lots, lots and lots, lots. Yeah, that would be that would be a huge subject. So something specific. Um, yeah, um, that's that's good. I like my 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 daughter Phoebe is very um very cheerful, even when she's going through uh, anxiety or stress in her life. She really, really struggles sometimes with things, but she still is cheerful and happy and, and tries to, to give. So she, I've learned a lot from her experiences. So. Yeah, that's really nice. What is your favourite Bible character and why? Um, that's a good question. My favourite character would probably be David. Um, I'm, I'm obsessed um, the gospel ones are too. I'm obsessed with the tabernacle and the temple and and how it outworks in our lives. That's my passionate subject. And David created this thing called the Tabernacle of David, which which existed on Mount Zion. I'm going to sorry, you, you, I've got to stop going down rabbit holes here, but it existed parallel to the tab the tabernacle at Gibeon. So it was like David set up this one compartment tabernacle that the Ark of the Covenant was in, and and, and it was always had music and um, joy and and sacrifice of praise and it was just an incredible place. So and so and on David's dancing when he bought the ark in the Zion to put it into that structure, he's dancing and and the passion. I just love it. I just love that. Um, and and the fact he wasn't even self aware, he was able to dance and just just show his enthusiasm and praise without worrying about his dignity and all those sorts of things. I just resonate with that a lot. Yeah. And I do love Barnabas from the New Testament. I love Barnabas too in the New Testament. He's this son of consolation. and That's, uh, yeah, we yeah. share common ground on that one. That one's my favourite. Excellent, one. excellent, excellent, excellent. And the last question, is there a job you would like to do in the kingdom? I would, yeah, I do. I would, I'd love to teach. I, I, like, I like teaching and I, I sort of think I've, I can... Um, I, I do. I can resonate with with atheists, for example. I, I I get atheists sometimes more than I get religious people, to be honest. And uh, uh, because I'm, a, I think I've got a natural cynical, um, uh, skeptical bent. So I, I would like to to talk to people who struggle with those sort of things in the kingdom and and uh, uh, try and um, lead them to to seeing spiritual dimensions and things like that. So if that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks, Uncle Darren. You got through the, the hardest part of thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Made it, made it to the end all good. Excellent. Excellent. The rest will be easy. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, the main thing, we wanted to talk a, a lot about um, overcoming doubt, and we think it's 
uh, relevant topic that um, all of us have, have doubts at different points in our lives, and particularly in, in relation to, to biblical things. I guess there's a good um, type of doubt that you can have if you trusted everyone and everything. Um, that's uh, definitely not, not a good way to go. But so, so doubt is useful in that sense. So why were you talking about overcoming doubt? Look, I, I, there's two dimensions of this question, and I, and I don't know which one you want to follow as much because I, there's there's faith doubt about just doubting. Um, we live in a we live in a material uh, world, and to believe that there's another dimension there, there's a spiritual dimension with God and and the angels and Christ, and and that there's uh, God's at work in our in our history in our world. That that is a and it's natural to doubt that because we we are just not. Um, we just don't have that in our society at all. And some societies in the Philippines, they take a lot of things for granted about spiritual things and the existence of God. But in our, particularly in Australia and England and places like that, spiritual things are, are really hard for us to, to identify with and to, to grasp onto. And, and that's a, that's another passion of mine, which is a subject called apologetics, which is, which is like proving that God exists and that the Bible's true and that Jesus existed and and his teachings uh, penetrated the world and changed society etc so i love all that sort of stuff um and but i do appreciate why we we doubt that and why, why it's hard for us to to come to grips with that i mean even jesus says when thomas doubted about you know he's been resurrected and he says feel my um hands and, and my side and and he says blessed are you thomas that you've been able to do this but blessed are those who haven't seen and still believe and and he knows that that's a hard thing to do. So there's that dimension of doubt. But I, the one that I, I thought may be worth pursuing tonight is the doubting whether God loves us, whether we're in the kingdom, whether we're good enough, whether we're worthy, those, those sort of things that, that plague us a lot um, about whether we're going to be in the kingdom or not and whether we're going to be saved. And, and I think that's a that's a huge subject, and it is doubt-related. It's, it's definitely a faith issue. It really is. Um, and I'm happy to explore that with you as well. So whatever direction you take me in, I'm happy with either. But uh, probably that second one is, is probably more relevant, I think. That is it. Yeah, that's along the lines of what we were thinking. Um, yeah. I guess so you could say that um, faith, in a sense, is almost the, uh, I was going to say antidote to doubt, but maybe not antidote. Maybe um, it's, it's the opposite of doubt. In yeah, a sense. yeah, no, that's that's right. Antidote would work as well, I, I think. So and, and when we apply it to salvation, that's that's when it's really interesting. So um, faith, you know, you can talk about having faith that God created the world and having faith that uh, the kingdom's going to be established and the uh, faith that God's going to restore Israel. They're all faith in doctrinal things or, or factual things or historical things. The the big question is having faith that you are going to be part of that. And that's that's a huge question. And we naturally yeah. struggle with that. Yeah, well, I think even even when, like you just mentioned it before, I think um, it's probably something that's always been around, but it seems to be more uh, mentioned or discussed about self-doubt in today's mm -hmm. society. And, and, and you mentioned it before, but how, how can we be confident in the fact that God does care for us and does love us and does work in our lives? Because it can seem, even when you say it out, you know, you might take the opportunity to talk about God to your work colleagues or whatever. It does sound quite foreign and bizarre in a way. Um, and you can sometimes believe it, you're, you believe it yourself that, you know, God doesn't actually exist and he doesn't work with, or 
he does exist, but he doesn't actually care for what I'm doing in my pretty, you know, monotonous, boring day-to-day life. That's a that's a really good question. And again, there's a couple of avenues we can go down. The, the whole idea that God is a um God is a covenant God, which means he and covenant is this idea of, of, of a relationship. God's a relationship God. It's built into his very being as to who God actually is. So if you look at um, his characteristics in, in uh, Exodus um, 34, for example, 36, you've got God describing himself as abundant in mercy and truth. And these, these terms, mercy is uh, hesed or chesed, and truth is emet. And these are, these are covenant words. They're words about being loyal to your relationships and, um, and having this relationship love for your people you're in relationship with. So it's, it's not that God shows these qualities. It is what God actually is. So God's a relational God who wants to connect to people. And, um, and, and if I use the word God has a need, you might don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying God needs it. Like we need water or oxygen. God, God has a need. Like um, if you, if you have an inbuilt sense of justice and you see someone being mistreated, some of us might have a need to get involved in that. Like others could walk away and just say, not my business, but if you've got a need, you just, you just can't walk away. That's, yeah. that's what I mean when God has a need. So God has a need to, have a relationship with people it's building to who he actually is and you've got these verses like Acts 17 where this is the first preaching effort you know to to people who aren't bible based people where paul says um uh, god created the world that uh, people might seek after him so he wants people to seek after him that happily they might touch him and find him and 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 connect with him because he's not far from every one of us and in him we live and move and have our existence so so there's this God does have that connectivity that he wants to develop and have. So it's not like sometimes we think of God in these medieval terms that he's this big king up there and he just looks down on us and he and it's up, and if we don't respond, he couldn't care less. You know, like it's like uh, it's, uh, your, your loss, you know, I'm this king and if you don't do what I say, I couldn't care less. It's like, no, God actually he's not willing that any should perish. He really, he really wants that connection with us um, and takes pleasure in it. And, and, and there's, I, I haven't got all the verses at the tip of my tongue, but there's a lot of Psalms, for example, that says God takes pleasure in, in the connection he has with us in the chesed that he, we experience. You know, Micah 7 says something like um, he, de- he delights in chesed, which is mer- translated mercy. So he, by connecting to God, it gives God pleasure. Now, you think God, the awesome God who created the universe, we can change his emotions. We can give him pleasure and joy. It's like that's mind-boggling, really, to think about it. But... But that's that's who God is, and when we appreciate that's what God wants, it makes us want Him more, if you know, and, and feel confident in that that connection with Him. So I hope I haven't gone off track too much for that. Hopefully, yeah, no, that's that's really good. I love that idea about um, it being who God actually is, um, yes. because it's not just as though it's a, like you were saying a decision that He uh, has to make. Yes. It's like, oh, you know, should I should I show love to you? Oh, okay, yes, you know, I'll do it because you. You know that that's that's who he is. That's who he is. You know, you think of you think of Adam when Adam's created. It's it's day one, if you like, of Adam's creation. Sin hasn't entered the world, so it's still everything's very good. And Adam gets lonely, it, it, like it, within a matter of I don't know, maybe hours. You know, he he, he um he uh, uh, names the animals and and he's there and, and and he gets lonely. And then God never condemns him for that. It's it's if he's in he's made in the image and likeness of God. That loneliness is something that's come from 
his maker that he's in the image of, and, it, and it's pre-fall, you know, it's, it's pre uh, the, the, the sin. So that loneliness is is what God feels as well. If you can extrapolate that and apply it to God, which I think you can, there's this need and a sense of wanting a connection, and that's the reason behind creation. It's not just an experiment or God's got a little closet where he's making little universes and, and doing things for like a mad scientist or something. God actually is creating sons and daughters and people that he has a covenant relationship with, which is when we understand that, to me, it opens up a whole lot of really wonderful thoughts about, about God and, and our, uh, our relationship with him. And the fact he wants that relationship, it's not something we've got to, we've got to force and, and earn yeah, that's 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 awesome because I was actually going to ask um, the question on like overcoming self doubt, even almost taking it to the next level of how can you overcome self doubt when it relates to our own salvation. But you know, obviously, as you're saying, if it's an in, innate characteristic of who God is, then it's only yeah, it's only natural that that He wants to. Well, yeah, He wants to save us. Um, yes, that's right. That's right. That's, his, that's right. That's his natural. That's the that's the default state God is in. If if you know, yes. So so, it's not like he's automatically angry, which which was the old um, medieval idea. God's angry, and and uh, we've got a sort of Jesus takes the punishment, all that sort of um, uh, penal substitution idea. Is we don't, of course, believe that. We believe God wants the relationship, and that's why He made us to start with. So, yeah, hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, I guess that's why he sent Jesus um, in, yes. in, that, in that act of love. You know, God so loved the world. Was, yeah, while we yet sin as um, Christ died for the ungodly. That's, exact, that's so true. That's exactly right. But it's also an interesting thought that you mentioned about um, Adam being created with those um, sort of uh, feelings of loneliness or wanting yes. to, to connect yeah. with others. And I guess it's interesting that he's also created the, the family um, structure um, I don't think that's that's probably not by accident either. No, no, that's right. And modelled on him, modelled on him. He, he's the father, of course. And 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 Adam was Adam's called the son of God in uh, in Matthew, of course. And and so he's 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 creating children and and connecting with them. Has and, there been, and, sorry? Has there been a like a perspective shift for you at some point? I guess for you to. I mean, you might still be on that journey yourself, but being sure. able to appreciate that God does actually work in your life, because I know, you know, speaking personally, there's times where um, I don't know whether it's just being youthful and whatnot, that you can sometimes wonder whether God, like we, we briefly talked about it, but whether God actually does want to work with me and how did you overcome that if, if, yeah. yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And, and I probably, for me, I had a big um, you know, seminal change of thinking when I, I probably, it was around the year 2000 when the Sydney Olympics were on and I uh, I, was, I chose a book to study and I chose Ephesians. And, and I don't, and for, to this day, I don't know why I picked that because it wasn't, I was more into character studies and things and I chose Ephesians and it, it just blew my mind because if you read Ephesians, it starts off, um, in chapter one saying, blessed be God who has blessed us with these spiritual blessings in Christ. And it lists all these spiritual blessings. Like we've been, we've been chosen by him. We're adopted by him. He accepts us into his family. Uh, he redeems us. He saves us. He forgives us our sins. And it, it's this cascade of blessings. It doesn't qualify the blessings at all. Like it doesn't, it's very confident. If, if you are in Christ, you get all these blessings and you are a saint by default. And, um, 
it sort of changed my, my perspective was you sort of had to earn not earn in it I never would have said that in a doctoral sense but you you've got to be good enough and I, and and look that English word the, the English translation of the word which we translate as worthy is really a bit misleading because we think worthy worthy means in our English terminology worthy means I'm worthy of this job Nerving. worthy of this degree or whatever it is it the word itself means it's it's um, appropriate to so so Ephesians has got all Ephesians one two and three have got these spiritual blessings they're just it's awesome chapters about what it means to be a saint what it means to be in Christ and then there's a sort of a really sharp split in the book in chapter four and it goes chapter four verse one says therefore he says I beseech you therefore um, that you walk worthy and, and 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 it's and the whole way the book structured is here's the blessings you have by default in Christ. Therefore, walk worthy. It's and it's like in my life, I'd had the cart before the horse. I thought I've got to walk worthy in order to get those blessings. And in Christ, it's the other way around. So you you get those blessings by being in Christ. It's a free gift. It's it's God's um, mercy and His love and His and all those things. Therefore, walk walk worthy, which doesn't mean earn it. It means walk appropriate to that. So if you appreciate those blessings and what they really mean. They're not just words that wash over your head and sound nice. They really apply to you personally. Your walk will follow that. And then the chapters four, five, and six of Ephesians, the second half is my, the most practical section in the entire Bible. You know, it's about servants and masters and husbands and wives and ecclesial members and leaders and and and, and really practical. So the practical followed the the practical. Um, what you might call as uh, imperatives followed the, the status appreciation that came first. And Romans works the same way. You've got chapters one to eight, which is really dense and, and beautiful, but, but dense um, exposition of what it means to be declared righteous by God who can righteously do that through Christ. Then you've got these chapters on, um, uh, on Israel's position and on um, uh, God's calling and election. Then it gets to chapter 12 and it starts off the same way. It says, therefore, give your body a living sacrifice. And then it goes practical about being generous and being hospitable and all those practical things that come from the first half of the book. Does that make sense? So, and, yeah. and that, that schema really was a, a change my uh, changed my perspective a lot. And that, that started me exploring this whole subject more because I realized I, I had that a little bit out of whack. I had that little bit, I, I thought I had to, get the practical side of it worked out before I can call myself a son of God or dare to say I'm adopted or redeemed or any of those things. And, uh, and that was a big turning point. If that, if that makes sense in my, in my thinking. Because I guess you could, you almost feel like, oh, that's a big assumption. If you say that I'm, I'm saved or um, yes, like yes. You said, I'm, I'm redeemed as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yet, and yet it's used in those, you know, Ephesians one without any, uh, like we, if we, if I had have said it before, I would have said, "Oh, we're saved." If and I would have always put a qualifier in, like, if we, blah blah blah, if we walk worthy, or if we are trying our very best, or if we are, I mean, that trying your very best is is a classic. A brother said that the other night to me. I was talking about this, and he goes, "Oh yeah, no, we can be confident if we're trying our best." And it's like, who, who, who's trying their best? Who, who can honestly say that they are literally trying their best in life, like doing everything right at all times? It's just it's a it's a big burden to put on yourself, and um, the actual qualifier in scripture is if you are in Christ, that is that is the thing, and uh, and that, no, that changes it all. Sorry, I like the word that you used before as well of the appreciation, 
um, yes. because I, I guess that uh, I think it was of Paul who said that um, I worked harder than them all. Um, but it's not I that Christ that worked that's, with that's it. It. That's he, it. He says that you could probably consider him to be the best apostle that there was, you know, the, all the things that he did. And yeah, his perspective of himself was that, you know, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I, you know, I persecuted the ecclesia of God. You're spot on, Josh. And, and look, my two favourite verses, and it's about this subject, is, um, uh, you know, I say my favourite, i got to remember it, but, but uh, Galatians 2.20 says, um, he says, the life I live, I live for the son of God who, who loved me and died for me. And he uses these pronouns of me. He personalizes it. He goes, Jesus died for me and, and he loved me. Therefore I live my life for him. Now, if you, if Paul had to believe that he's got a, he doesn't know if he's even going to be in the kingdom. He's got no idea until he hears well done, good and faithful servant in the future. Something he's got, you can't really have that perspective on life. It just, that, doesn't work. My other favourite ones, Second Corinthians five, it's very similar. Five verse ten, where it's um, similar words, where he says that he says the love of Christ compels me, which or the King James has constrains me, but that's not the best translation. It's it's compels me because he says I judge that Jesus died, he he died for me, and therefore I don't live to myself, I live for him. So he saw his life responding to the reality that Jesus had died for him and that compelled him in his life. So if you, if you want that new Testament ethic and that new Testament motivation, you can't, you can't put off salvation to the future and say, I, I have no idea. It's a big, it's almost like a lot, you know, a lottery or something. I, I won't find out. I have no, the criteria is not here to say things like doing your best. What does that mean? That's like, what, how do you know if you're doing your best? Like, like, you're putting yourself, you're putting it all off to the future and you can't really then give yourself wholly to God in that absolute sense like Paul could do. Um, I hope that made sense. That, that sort yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, I really, really like that thought of that appreciation that drives it. Yes. Um, and one thing that I really liked or that really um, touched me when having a look at um, some of the studies that you've done before on this is where you might remember that you had some charts about, I guess, yeah, our path yes. through our path through life, um, because you know often I feel like I drop out and I get worried that Jesus, if Jesus returns today, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a bad state. Like I haven't been, I haven't been doing, doing the, the readings. Right I've forgotten to pray. Yeah, yeah. And yep. you think okay, and then it's sort of that that passes, and you might be feeling better spiritually, and you're like, oh, I feel for you. If Jesus comes yes. today, or that's that's okay. I'm feeling feeling all right about that. Almost like you're dropping out yes. of grace and and then back in. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, we, are, we are we are by default in in Christ, and that doesn't mean we that doesn't mean everything's good in our life. So so the the ups and downs, as, as you probably remember, the ups and downs happen to everyone. From I think I graphed I graphed Abraham's life. So he, he he responds, crosses the Euphrates, responds in faith, going to a country he didn't know where he was going. But the very next chapter, he goes. In fear, he runs down to Egypt, and because of the drought. And then, in fear, he lies about Sarai. And then, and then it goes up again when he comes back to Bethel. And then it goes down again when he does, you know, the Hagar incident or whatever. And as he's up and down, and and that's 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 faith. That's that's by um, that's living by faith. Doesn't mean. And, and but he, all the time, you're still within the confines of of salvation, if you like. He's in the pale of salvation. You can you can graph every significant bible character like that the apostle peter up and down up and down in that in that way so and that's where we learn in fact 
the fact Abraham was able to take a, a knife and literally slip his beloved son's throat, which he, of course, didn't eventually do, but he virtually did, was because he'd learned, he'd, he'd made some very bad mistakes, really bad mistakes, made, told lies, repeated the same mistake. You know, the lie he tells Pharaoh, he tells Abimelech later on, you know, the same lie. He makes multiple, multiple mistakes. He learns from those mistakes, and that's what feeds into the faith he has in chapter 22 where he can do that. It's not like he just was like an awesome person who just had awesome faith in God automatically. It, it came from the lows that he was able to achieve the height. So, um uh, they're, they're, that's the way to think of it. So we are in Christ through faith, and that's the de- salvation is a default. It's it's the default situation. We and names going to the book of life, they can be blotted out of that book, and you can walk away from Christ and leave Christ. That's that's true. But the default is we are in Christ, and within that um, zone or that pale, we can make mistakes and and have periods of uh, depression and spiritual, um, you know. Uh, inertia and things that happen in our life, but we're still in we're still in God's family at that point. Uh, is that is that up and down uh, mindset where you got the front uh, the front porch theory? Yeah, the, the French porch theory. Front, French French fourth. I got to say it's probably <laughs> the front porch theory. Yes, was something that was a little um, self awareness um, jolt for me. So uh, I I remember I'd been the chairman on the Sunday and I. would as I, as the chairman do, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. Of course, it's quite right. I I got up and said, you know, we're we're praying for the return of our Lord and for the long full day, and we pray for Christ to come soon. We hope it's we hope it's today. We don't even meet again. Blah blah blah. All the right things. And then that week, I was laying awake at night, and I heard and I heard something at our back door. The back door sort of being opened, or and it was three or four in the morning, and I and I, and I thought it was the angel, and I panicked. I, I was I was terrified and and that and I, and I had to really think what what why is there this disconnect that one minute I'm saying I, I want Christ to come but when it looks like it was happening I was petrified by that and and to me that self-awareness was a very very powerful thing and and it led me to to realize that to me the judgment my perception of the judgment seat was was the problem with that with the reasoning there so and and I think that I think if, if you for another another example is you know, 1 Thessalonians 4, where Paul says, in the context of believers who have died, he says, when we, when when one of our loved ones die, we um we don't we don't weep as others who have no hope. We 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 still weep, of course, and we're sad, but we believe we believe that they're going to be saved. Now, how does Paul know that? How do I know that if they've got to go through this incredible detailed judgment seat and all their motives are read and their idle words are bought out and all that so I, how can i how could paul say that and how can i take comfort if my one of my friends dies um mm. knowing that that they, their salvation still in jeopardy they, they, they don't really know and i don't know how does that make me happy or give me any comfort but that's a, a wrong perception of what the judgment seat's doing and that to me that that was a shift as well in my in my thinking there because I think in that First Thessalonians four quote, it talks about encouraging one another with those. Yes, comfort. He says, comfort one another with those words. So those words should actually have an emotional comfort to me, but in emotionally they don't because they. Sorry, intellectually they don't because I know the judgment seat barrier is there. So how can I be? You know, you know, one of my best friends died of cancer a few years ago. 
how can I, if I believe the judgment seat's going to go right through her life and look at every little thing she did and look at her motives and everyone's flawed. So how, how can I be confident she's even going to be in the kingdom under that regime? Um, I am confident she's going to be in the kingdom because I don't believe that's really what the judgment seat's all about. It's not a judicial process to see whether you are in or out um, in that sense. So, yeah, well, uh, I, I was going to ask. Tend to, I tend to rabbit on so you can interrupt me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all right. It's, uh, it's probably better listening to your voice than mine for some. Well, <laughs> no, um, I was going to ask, because you've talked about, uh, like we've talked a lot about the idea of being in a state of salvation, but and you bring up the judgment seat there. What then is the purpose of the judgment seat? if we're in this state of salvation already or we should be viewing ourselves in that way? That is an awesome question. That is a really awesome because that's the question. What, what is that? What is, if, if we are really in Christ and we are, we are, our sins are forgiven. What, what is, what, what, what do we have a judgment seat? If our sins are actually forgiven uh, and we believe that and it's true and, you know, um, Psalm 103, our sins are put far from us as the East is from the West and, it's picked up in Hebrews, for example. He quotes that and uh, says our, our sins are, put, are, 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 remembered, are remembered no more. Um, if all those, you know, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8 verse 1. If all those things are true, what, what is the judgment seat then achieving because our sins are forgiven? So if you wanted to be technically, you know, correct, then our sins are forgiven, the judgment seat um, is irrelevant. Because, so... So there's obviously more involved than just, um, yeah, than, than just looking for things that we can be uh, rejected on or, or as, a, as a judicial process or as a, as, a, as a court case sort of thing. So for me, um, and I probably haven't got time tonight to really prove it in, a, in the ultimate sense, but to me, the judgment seat is a, the final transformation process of course, there are people rejected in, in, at the judgment seat, and that is um, that is a reality. But the purpose of it is a transformation process that ultimately, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. As in, that's the judgment seat context, and that means Jesus purges us from all our um, all our wrong perceptions, our prejudices, our wrong slants that we have on things, our um, uh, our biases, our misconceptions about God, even about Jesus and, and, and partiality and all the, all these things. I asked the question to someone, how are those things corrected? Because we've all got blind spots. We've all got, we've all got misconceptions. We, we all, our, our value hierarchy on what's important, what's not, all, all of it will need adjusting in some way um, before God gives us immortality. So what, when does that happen? And to me, the judgment seat is that process where, uh, we're opened up and our inner man is examined and, and our inner motives are read, not to keep us out of the kingdom because that, you know, if God wanted to keep me out of the kingdom, just today alone he could find many things that would do that. You know, that, 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 that's, not a, that's, not, that's not what it's all about. It's, um, for example, if you really want to read, it, read a good chapter, and, and a lot of people don't realise this is a judgment seat chapter, it's Hebrews 4 talks about the word of God is like the, the two-edged sword. The word of God has two levels to it. The word of God is the written word of God, which we have now, which, which is very powerful in our life. But ultimately, the word of God is Jesus, and the, the pronouns change to him as you, as you read through that. So Jesus is the word of God. 
he's like a two-edged sword. He opens us up, dividing soul and spirits, which is our, our motives for what we do and why we do things. And he does that, and it's 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 uses all the language of the burnt offering in Leviticus 1, where the animal's opened up and blemish, looks for blemish. So he's he's dividing to the soul and spirit right down to the marrow, you know, right, right into the inner man. So he's looking at all our motives and everything. And we and we could be terrified by that and go, well, that's I'm terrified. But then if you read on, it says, therefore, in the Greek, therefore, come boldly, <laughs> come boldly before his presence before the throne of grace with boldness, which is a, the word boldness is like the same word confidence that we see in 1 John 2 and 1 John 4. So Christ is going to open us up. He's going to, he's going to look at all our blemishes, look at all our problems, look at all our issues, look at our motives, not to reject us, but to present us faultless, to clean us up like an animal having no blemish and present us faultless, which is, means without blemish, before his presence with exceeding joy. And Therefore, he says, come boldly to that process. And that changes the judgment seat from something being terrifying to something being um, beneficial and therapeutic. And I bring it on, you know, bring it on. I want the, I want the judgment seat. I want all those things cleaned and fixed up. And as Psalm 139 says, search me, O God. You know, if there's any wicked way in me, put it far from me. And, and that will, of course, that happens now through God's word. And we should be examining ourselves and, and looking at God's word in our actions and the light of God's word. But of course, we're so flawed. We don't even really see our own blind spots. And Jesus will uh, make that very obvious to us. And, and there'll be no knees that won't bow and tongues confess when that is all brought to our attention. And and and, and, and it'll be done and purged from our, our thinking, our consciences, our, um, our, our thought processes. And then we can be given immortality to to take on the huge responsibility of being kings and priests in the kingdom and, and through the millennium. So I hope that I, I haven't been able to prove all that uh, as much as I would like to, but that's in a nutshell what how I yeah. see things. Yeah, no, that's really nice. I like the end of that Hebrew 4 quote because it says uh, at the end of coming boldly that it will be, I think it was, that you'll find help in time of need. Oh, that's right, because this is a high priest action. Opening us up as a high priest, he has, our high priest who is doing this, the word of God or Jesus, is is not a high priest that isn't touched with the same, wasn't touched with the same temptations and infirmities and all the same issues that you go through. So you can have confidence that he is he's doing this for, for a good reason. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really reassuring um, and can be really assuring, reassuring um, to, to, to read and to, to believe. What are, obviously, mindful we're drawing close to the end, but what are some of the more practical ways we can overcome our own fear or, or self-doubt, particularly as it relates to our day-to-day life or, or as we, the, the front porch theory, yeah, that's the, right. the judgment seat. Um, is it something that we'll ever overcome? Is it something that you, for you, even you need Look, to, I, to I, overcome? I think, I think, um, I think, I, I, I think we can overcome it. I do. I do believe we can, but it takes a bit of work, and it it it's making Ephesians and all those verses that we've alluded to real. And that, if I can put it in the context of um, how how important it is, um, you know, in the book of Romans, there's a there's a structure and a flow to Romans, but chapter four is the chapter where we have introduced to us in the most powerful way, I think, in the whole of the Bible, that salvation comes and is linked to faith. And he uses Abraham as the example. And he says, Abraham was past 
age and Sarah's womb was dead, yet they believed, they had faith that God could do what he said. They counted themselves as dead. They, they knew that they couldn't do it. They were, they were not capable. They, could, they did not have the capacity, the ability. It just was not going to happen from them. But they had faith and they believed in this impossible thing. Now, we have to have that same sort of faith but it's not about having babies at my age or any or any any old age. If you read to the end of chapter four, the faith is we have just as Abraham believed the impossible. We've got to believe that God forgives us our sins. That that if you read the last few verses, that's the object of our faith. So it's it's not just about believing in miracles and believing that God can do miracles. That's that's a given. We believe God can give miracles, but God can do that for you personally and make and and making that real is the real faith generation and that's as much as important as believing that you know Israel's going to be exalted in the kingdom it's as, it's as important as that to make that faith that personal salvation real in your life and i think if you really think that through and read a lot about that you know um yeah you read romans 7 at the end of romans 7 paul says wretched man that i am who can deliver me from this body of death it's like, it's, it seems impossible. And then you go a verse further and it goes to Romans 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. It's like, it's getting that reality of, of, of yes, I am a sinner. I am flawed. I, am, I fail and I do things I don't want to do. But I'm in Christ. And therefore, you can go right through Romans 8 and apply that to yourself. Just as you apply 7 to yourself, you apply 8 to yourself and go, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Things above, things below um pestilence sword famine uh, um, principalities power you know all those things nothing can separate me from the from the love of of god in christ so it, you do need i want to say i don't want to sound like i'm judging people but we do need to make that real as real as any other bible subject or, or object of prophecy or anything else that that is and, and and the more you think about it and pray about it you can you can look there's also a whole lot of verses that that seemed to contradict that as well, I have to admit. So part of my, when I, when I, I had my own ecclesia, I had a lot of time to do this slowly, um, more than when I visited places, but there's a lot of verses that are used that seem to say the opposite to that. And, and we need, if you really want to get this worked out, you've got to deal with those verses as well. You can't just take the positive verses. And there's verses like, um, work out yourself, Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, and it sounds like you've got to work it out. You know, you've got to say, okay, it's like working out a jigsaw puzzle or working out a crossword. I've got to, how am I going to be saved? What's the best thing I should do? And how should I dress? And how should I act? And where should I go? As if we're working out our salvation. It's not really the way the syntax works. It's it's actually outwork your salvation. So it's not saying work out like it's a puzzle. It's saying outwork your salvation. So the... Um, the, the, the presumption there is that you have salvation and now you've got to live it out and, and actually apply it sort of thing. So it just changes the, and there's a lot of verses like that that just need to be recalibrated a little bit. Um, there's a famous one in Hebrews 10, a lot of, I think it's Hebrews 10, where it says, um, if someone, after they've come to Christ, if you sin willfully, there remains no sacrifice for sin. It's like, what? You know, so it's like, who hasn't sinned willfully? Everyone's sinned. It's a, it's a freaky verse when you read it. And I've heard, chairman get up and say it as you know brothers and sisters we know there's no sacrifice for sin for those who sin willfully and he's like goodness me then that's that's all over red rover but context of hebrews is um in, 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 in when we look at what 
you know, the brethren like Brother Carter have written about that. It's talking about Jews who have tasted the Holy Spirit gifts and, and seen the power of, of, of the Spirit going back to Judaism and treading under the, the blood of Christ and sacrifice of Christ. So it's got a specific context, but we can we can pull it out of the context and and blow our minds apart thinking, well, I'll never be in, I'll never be in the kingdom if that's the case. So there's a lot of verses, there's a, not a lot, there's a, probably a handful of verses like that that need to be recalibrated sometimes and made to align with Romans 8 verse 1 or um, you know Ephesians 2 talking about we're saved by grace or whatever the the positive verses are saying we've got to we've got to align them uh, as only the word of God could. So, I love that. Yep. yeah, that's Sorry, that's great, and I love that um, Romans seven and Romans eight because they oh. perfectly um, uh, complement each other. Because I guess Romans seven, you really feel that um, for, in the words that Paul says, and that I think gives you the appreciation for the things that happen in um, Romans you're, eight. You're one hundred percent right because you. I, you can't have Romans eight without Romans seven. You know, if you if you just uh, you know, like say uh, I'll say a born again Christian or charismatic person just thinks it's all everything's all good and God just is 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 sort of a, a good grandfather. It it you you don't really get the full power of of what's going on. So you need seven. You need to feel the wretchedness. You need to feel that wretchedness and, and feel your helplessness because you just can't help yourself. You're just so weak. You know. Um, I, I can apply it to food very easily or to losing weight. You, you just, you, you know what's right. You know what you should do. You know what you should eat, but you just fail over and over again because of the flesh. And, 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 and you, you could give up at that point, but you need to feel Romans 7 to feel the um, elation of Romans 8, if that makes sense. And Romans 8, we are more than conquerors. So you, you go from being this wretched, there's a wordplay at the end of Romans 7 of a prisoner being tied to a dead body i don't know if you ever heard of that one where they said they said romans used to torture people by by tying them up to a dead body and the rot of the dead body would would putrefy and rot and and, and it was a horrible thing so you go from this captive i'm captive to the law of sin and death this wretchedness to the end of romans 8 it says that we are we are more than conquerors which in the greeks like where i can't remember the exact prefix but i think it's hyper we're hyper conqueror we're we're super conquerors we're we're ultra super conquerors through Christ who loves us. So you go from being a, a wretch in a prison to being a super conqueror, and and it's all through the the grace of God and being in Christ. And uh, it's it's very powerful, uh, and 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 it's life changing when when you can believe it. You know, it's not just words that you read, but it's actually applied to yourself, and you believe it, and the power of it is quite transformational. So hope that makes sense. Yeah, that does. Yeah, that's really. Um, good. It's good to have that um, change in perspective. And I know for me, um, listening to, to some of these thoughts or thinking about it before before chatting today has been um, uh, helpful as well. Um, I think you, you do get that appreciation when you when you consider, I guess, those low points in your life where you feel like you're um, you, you've dropped out of salvation. Um, if you like yes you really appreciate when you see that god's working with you in those uh, those times and um you're you're still within god's um yes. kingdom um and he he's there to um help you up yep and that's that's really good because i look I, I do believe there's a place for for fear in in this in the godly fear in the sense that godly fear is about offending god and displeasing god you know that that's that's real godly fear it's not it's not like as you young people say FOMO, which is fear of missing out, which 
I, I see that's that's the fear people have of the judgment thing. I'm I'm fearful I'm going to miss out. Well, that's that's sort of a selfish fear in a way. But true fear is I, I realize I'm not in the right. I'm not in. I'm not right with God, and I, and I and I know that that's wrong. And I and I I'm, I'm I, I've offended him. I've let him down. I've said things. I've missed opportunities to preach. I've said things that are stupid at work. I've involved myself in silly talk at work. Or, you know, all, all the things that, that we fail at many times. Um, um, and we're, we're fearful of letting God down from that point of view. And that, that's a good fear. That's a good, wholesome fear to have. Um, but, yeah, it's not, it's not just FOMO. that you just I'm, I'm going to miss out on the big, the big fun that everyone's going to have. That's a, that's a different thing. Yeah. Um, to, to, to conclude, is there a, I guess, a final takeaway or even a practical application, you know, for those that may be listening on their way in to work or on the bus or wherever it might be that they're listening? Is there a little takeaway or a thinky thing as we maybe to sum up? Or sure, sure. Look, I think um, there's, there's the, the book, we mentioned the book of life. Just remember, you, you go into the book of life gracious for free <laughs> it's it's a free gift so you go into the book of life because you have faith you believe and you're baptized you obey you obey it's an obedience to god's commandment and you say i acknowledge god's righteousness god's right and, I, and i'm baptized and you go into the book of life and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you've got a lot of not a lot of learning and growth and development you, you can be still very immature but you're still in the book of life and the classic i think it's i think it's mark 10 don't hold me to it um Jesus sends the apostles out um, early on in the, as a foretaste of what they would do later on. To, 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 it gives them a Holy Spirit, limited Holy Spirit and sends them out to heal. And they come back and they're all so excited and they've said, you know, I've healed people and I've cast out demons and they're all so excited and they you know, they had all the attention and they got all this kudos from all this work. And Jesus says, don't rejoice that you've been able to cast out devils. Rejoice rather that your name's written in heaven. Now, this is when they're immature. The apostles are so immature. They're fighting about who's going to be greatest. They didn't even understand Jesus had to die. They just, they missed so many of his cues and his lessons, etc. And yet Jesus said, as immature and as a long way to go as you have, like young, like all, like young people, like we are, not me, I'm not that young, but as you young people are, you've got so far to go if Christ doesn't return in your development, your name's if you've committed yourself to Jesus through baptism, your name is written in heaven. And, and that is, that's a reality. And that, that should be a powerful, I think, thing that um, gets you through the day to remember that my name is written in heaven and regardless of my failures. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic way to end. I think you can't really get much more positive than that. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time. It's my been a pleasure. It's, yeah, it's been a great discussion. I think it's something Josh and I've been definitely looking forward to, particularly things that relate to self-doubt because they are things that I think everyone re- has and yes. maybe doesn't necessarily talk about or, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's something that we all deal with, I think, individually. Um, so, yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you and God bless with all these podcasts and the conference preparation. So I pray it uh, continues to be a success and helps the young people thanks so much darren it's been good having you on my pleasure thank you guys thank you cheers thank you well how was that josh that was a super encouraging way to end 
the podcast there. Oh, that was great. I feel like we could have talked for a while with Darren. Yeah, it was, uh, personally, I found it very, very motivating and encouraging, particularly, well, I'll ask you, what was one of your favourite favorite points from the discussion we had? I actually really liked even considering the themes through Ephesians. He said the things that um, motivated him and seeing that all those blessings have been given to us through Christ and, and that's a given and just changing your perspective around um, the blessings that we have in Christ compared to sort of working towards that. Absolutely, absolutely. How about you? Uh, I liked his point about uh, not necessarily finding ourselves worthy of of salvation, but rather having a mindset of uh, seeing ourselves as being saved, but then as a result of that, letting that compel us, like just naturally compel us to want to serve him and to show your thankfulness in the way that you live your life, which, yeah, is, is obviously really hard to do, but I found that a, a good a good um, motivation and I think the word he used was um, appreciation. That's it. That's it. So I think, yeah, you might even have uh, referenced that as one of your points in the discussion there. So no, it was, a, it was a great episode and I really enjoyed it. Yep. Make sure you also um, check out the podcast Socks. Yes, absolutely. We have got, even we've got two styles for people, you know, who want a bit of choice out there. Got a black pair, um, which is a little bit more funky with the logo all over it. Absolutely. I think they've got the description though, business business style. So if you've got a big upcoming meeting at work, nothing like brokering a good deal with some standstill socks on. So Absolutely. Or even we'd, uh, we'd love seeing you guys at a conference with it on. That would just uh, make our day. Absolutely. I think even we said last episode it would make our conference week. So. You would. I'll, if you are wearing standstill socks at the conference, I will buy you a coffee. I, uh, I, oh, that's a big promise, Josh. <laughs> I'd only, first couple, first couple. <laughs> I had uh, someone at the recent Suburban that we had say that they were wanting to pay for my specific socks that I was wearing, my standstill socks. So I'm not up. encouraging people to come up to me and to, uh, ask to pay for my socks that I'm wearing, but... Yeah, if you, if you want to get some socks, jump on the AYC website and uh, grab yourself a pair of socks. And uh, so thanks for joining us again for a, another episode. Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Thanks. See ya. podcast of Adelaide Youth Conference 2023. To listen to past episodes, see highlight videos and get all your podcast merch, visit our website. If this is your first time, welcome. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. The Standstill podcast is released once every month, so we can't wait to see you next time.